everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, what is up? I'm very curious if you ever launched your feature. Not yet. Things got a little foobar-y. An unknown unknown made itself known, and now the unknown known unknown is become quite a little architecture challenge. Oh, I'm running into some very similar issues with mine. We ran into a race condition that could block this release. So that's been top of mind for me lately. And yeah, I think I have a sort of fix for it. We were planning on launching tomorrow. So we're going through a code freeze next week because we're going to be off for a week and we don't want to deploy things right before we all go on break. Right. So yeah, what's up with you? I am overflowing with cortisol and I was sick earlier in the week. And I'm a little bit better now. I think it's because I turned my heat on for the first time all year. And then suddenly I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. What's happening to me? So (laughs) I'm recovering a little bit from that, but you might be able to hear that in my voice a little bit. So Sorry to hear, but I'm glad that you're better. Feeling better. Uh, We have a big show today. We do. I'm really excited because for about a year, I got a small group of folks together to do a Ruby for All book club where we read or in the process of reading The Well-Grounded Rubyist. And we have three of them on the show today. And another surprise is that they are also part of the Agency of Learning run by Dave Paola. And yeah, welcome to the show, Caleb Mitchell, Eric Halverson, and James Garcia. Hello. Thank you, Julie. Thanks, everyone. Happy to be here. Let's get an intro from EGL. I'm going to go in the order that I see all of my screens. So that's Eric, Caleb, and James. So Eric, start us off. Let the people know who you are. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Andrew. Eric Halverson and new in the developer side of life. Been working in software for most of my career. Started as a web developer in the old days, static pages, pre-web applications, pre-CSS in the ancient days. And, and then got into computer networking and I got into teaching for a long time. So I taught at a, what would be kind of like a boot camp today, but it was for computer networking once upon a time. And I taught TCP IP and SQL Server and A+, building computers and all that kind of stuff. So I did a lot of that for a long time. And then I got into BI space, business intelligence, working on data warehouse type stuff. And slowly over time, kind of moved from education into kind of pre-sales and post-sales and more on the product management side. So I've been in the software space for a long time and I've dabbled in programming, but just about three years ago, started to kind of get more into it more deeply, starting with the front end, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and then picked up Python and Ruby and then Rails. And so just diving in and learning as much as I can. Yeah, my name is Caleb Mitchell. Originally a professional musician of about 10 years who was also just beginning to kind of dabble in this space. Go figure at the start of the pandemic, a lot of the work out there for musicians just completely disappeared. Figured it was a good time to start exploring another passion of mine. I've always been into computers at least and problem solving and figured it'd be fun to try something new. I think I met Julie originally through this awesome program offered by Stanford called Code in Place right at the start of the pandemic. Just this kind of intro to Programming it was the first half, I believe, of their first year of intro to computer science. From there, I got just tiny bit more serious with Harvard CS50, finished that and was really enjoying it. And that felt like as good a time as any to then take another step deeper. So I started 
at this online school called Launch School, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. I feel like I've learned so, so much. I did a deep dive into Ruby Fundamentals, which led me quite nicely into the book club. And now very recently, the Agency of Learning, where I'm very much the newbie, but so far so good. It's been great to work with some people who really know what they're doing and what they're talking about. And I feel like I've learned a lot already. Hi, I'm James Garcia. I am a technical support specialist and have been doing that type of work for over a decade. So I got into computers later on in my life and went on and sought that career out. It's been really nice learning about all the stuff about technology. But I had an interest in programming a long time ago. I was working in an office and started learning Visual Basic for applications and left that and went into IT and then the itch came back. So I started searching around and found web development. And then I ran into Ruby on Rails and I was hooked. So I started learning that. I took a online course and then I wanted to take it more serious. So I joined a boot camp, went to the boot camp. It was more of a self-paced boot camp. It was Flatiron School or the version that I took was self-paced. They had in class and online. So I took the self-paced, started learning from there. Did a couple of freelance jobs and just been continuing to learn. I joined, as Julie mentioned, the Agency of Learning, and that has been a great challenge and great meeting people there. We've had Dave on the show, but I'm wanting you to explain what the Agency of Learning is in y'all's words. I guess I can field it from my perspective, at least. I think I'm the most senior person there, not senior in terms of skill necessarily by any means, but senior in terms of time. I heard Dave on your podcast and then on another podcast, probably. That's first when I heard it. And then I saw something on Twitter about accepting applications. So I applied and had a chat with Dave. Initially, the way it was put to me was from Dave in our conversation was that we were going to be working on the CASA app from Ruby for All, which I had already done contributions to. I think Julie introduced it to me as far as pointing me in the direction of that. And so I'd already been doing office hours and some contributions to that. And he said that we're going to treat this like a production development team. We're going to have code reviews and we're going to work on tickets and there's going to be senior mentors involved. And it'll just be like a software engineering team where you have different levels of engineers, senior mid and junior kind of developers. And it'll be an opportunity to work on this as a team and take on projects and take on tickets and work through code reviews and that whole sort of thing. And I thought that sounds exactly like what I need. And I felt like it was perfect timing. I was kind of feeling that way. I drifted away from doing some of the CASA work just because of the time that the office hours were, wasn't really meeting my schedule, but I kind of wanted to do it. So when I chatted with him about that, I thought that sounded like the coolest thing in the world to do and have this opportunity to be involved in. So when I joined, that's how I experienced it, just pretty much exactly like that. And I did some 10 to 15 tickets in CASA and worked through challenges. And it was there when sort of the light bulb came on for me in terms of this cadence of having a problem and not knowing how to solve it. And then like working through it and then figuring it out and then closing the ticket and then taking on the next ticket, not knowing how to do it. And then working through it and figuring it out. That was like the normal cadence. And that gave me a lot of confidence in my ability to like start a new problem. Like it's normal that I didn't know how to do it. And it was normal that I could figure it out and then learn something along the way. And then the next problem I wouldn't know how to do either. So that was really helpful for me in terms of that process. And of course, I got lucky in terms of the timing of the Rails comp and Agency of Learning was selected as doing the conference app for the big Rails World first annual ever conference. And I got lucky to be sort of chosen to be one of the team members to participate on that project. So it's been an amazing ride and experience the whole time. 
the experience that I've had is, I think Dave put it as it's a finishing school. So you've started learning the programming, you've went through either a boot camp or you've self-taught, maybe even graduated college, but there's a gap between that and actually working with a team and how to make a pull request, how to look at a problem, how to outline the problem, how to work with a team, how to do a stand-up, all of these little things that if you've been in the software industry for a while, you almost take for granted. And then if somebody comes in in your team as an early career or junior level, those are things that they're going to learn. So I think what Dave's trying to do is fill that gap in between learning how to code and then learning how to work on a team. And the experience that I've had is I've been able to pull tickets from the Ruby for Good, the Casa app, and work on them. And then there's an office hours that Agency of Learn has, and we're able to just do a stand-up. It's basically a stand-up or an office hour where we just talk about what we're doing, any blockers we have, and then what we're going to be working on next. And if we have any blockers, then there's one of the senior level engineers there that helps us or gives us some guidance to help us overcome those blockers. Caleb, I'm particularly curious about you. These two have an IT background of some sort. You have a music background. I know a lot of people who started in music and went to programming. And so I'm always curious about the types of challenges that they uniquely run into that people who are doing a lot more IT might not. So what have kind of been the challenges for you particularly as you've gotten down this road? I'm still working full-time as a musician, so I'm working strange hours. I'm sure this is the case for a lot of people out there trying to transition careers. A lot of this idea of picking a problem, you don't know how to do it. It takes this really diving in to figure out what needs to be done, kind of translating that those requirements into implementation. And usually that takes a chunk of focused time to really kind of get into something, work it out. And for me, that's always going to be either in between lessons I'm teaching or before a rehearsal, after dinner, something like that. So that's been a big thing for me is just kind of time management and figuring out when I can fit in these stretches of time where I can do like good quality work and get good quality study in. I think conversely, music practice a lot of the time feels like it's just this never ending. Here's something I can't do. How do I get to the point where I can do it? So I like to think some comfort with that. At the same time, it's still hard. It's always challenging and it always feels like it's kind of funny experiencing imposter syndrome in music and how that translates over here as well. But at least I'm used to it to some extent. But it's great, especially with agency of learning, finally getting a little bit of camaraderie in that regard, where it's not just me on my own studying by myself in my basement. You know, it's like, oh, it's not just me that is working through these challenges. That's the deal. That's how it works. Hi there, Julie here. I would like to take a moment to thank GoReels for sponsoring this episode. When I was first starting out, I struggled with finding up-to-date content to help me level up. Then I learned about GoReels. Not only does GoReels provide new screencasts weekly, they also have two fantastic instructors that break down complex topics into digestible chunks. On top of that, I really appreciate when they explain the whys behind the subject. One of my favorite walkthroughs is creating your first Ruby gem from scratch. What a great way to learn by stripping down to just the basics. If you care about leveling up as a Ruby engineer, you can't go wrong with GoRails. Check it out at GoRails.com. I would like to hear more about the agency of learning and uh, what are maybe some of the challenges you face and how you overcome those. And you're newer there as well. So I'm kind of interested in hearing what it's been like for you. For me, definitely the first big challenge 
this is my first time interacting with a pre-existing large code base. My experience with code thus far has primarily been coding challenges and string manipulation and Launch School's focus is on the fundamentals and learning everything from the ground up so that when you do see everything kind of put together, you can begin to understand it and not just kind of hope that the black box does what it's supposed to do. You can kind of get the bits and pieces. And I have some experience building things up from those building blocks, which has been great. But for me, definitely the pair app in Agency of Learning, this is one of the first times where it's, here's a big thing, kind of wade into it and try to add to it, which is coming with a lot of questions my end, of course, and some extra learning, especially without a really strong background on my end in Rails. Again, most of my focus has been on fundamentals. This has been a great opportunity for me to dig a little deeper into this framework and this higher level architecture, all that good stuff, but certainly a fantastic opportunity for me to do so. Adding on to what Caleb was saying, the challenges of jumping into a code base, existing code base, that's something that has been a great learning experience. Right now, the agency of Learn has worked on the Ruby for Good COS app, and then internally they've built a pair app, and then, as he mentioned earlier, worked on the conference app. These are all production apps. They're getting larger and larger. Ruby for All Casa app has been around for quite a while. They have these tickets and you have no familiarity with the code base. And then just going in there and then trying to figure out, okay, here's my ticket. Here's the scope of it. Here's the instructions that they want to accomplish. And then trying to figure out how that works. It's been a great learning experience, but it's also been a very big challenge. Julie, have you ever worked on the Ruby for Good projects? I think you have, right? Yeah, I loved it so much because of the office hours that I had recommended to our little book club that everyone should participate in that and get some more experience. Did you also contribute to Ruby for Good? I offered a long time ago to pair with any junior who was interested in working on it. And that's how I met Colin Gilbert. I paired with Colin on a few tickets. I don't know if I have any technical contributions to the code base, but I have reviewed some code and I definitely worked with Colin to at least one or two PRs in there. All that to say, I'm a huge fan of Ruby for Good. I mean, it keeps getting brought up. I just want to highlight that Ruby for Good is awesome. Go check out their projects, contribute. They have great causes. I worked on that for the diaper exchange program. And so I just want to highlight that since it keeps getting brought up. Eric, you mentioned that you've been at the agency of learning a little bit longer than everyone else so far. So where are you at now, do you think, in your career? Like, what are you still looking to get out of the agency? I've been kind of going through an interesting sort of existential crisis <laughs> a little bit. The conference app was sort of this amazing opportunity for me, and I worked my sort of tail off. We had a very specific deadline. We had two months, basically, to do the whole thing from scratch, from the first meeting with no code to finished product ready to go that 700 users were going to be using at this big worldwide Rails conference production. So it was a really intense project for me. We were meeting every two weeks with Amanda and Katya, the designer. And we sort of like, okay, what can we do in two weeks? We're like, what can we bite off in two weeks to have something presentable to do like a live demo for the stakeholders to show progress towards the completed project? And so that huge experience. And I learned a ton and I worked my butt off really, you know, a lot of hours, weekends, evenings, whatever, just sort of worked as much as I could on that kind of every day to meet those deadlines. And 
I was really proud of the work on that. And I was really so happy for the opportunity to be involved. And so after the project, went to the conference and the conference was amazing in Amsterdam and had a great time and then came back and found myself like, I wasn't really inspired to like jump into a new ticket. And so after a little while of that being the case, I kind of like thought, oh, I guess I'm just burnt out a little tired after that sort of heavy duty rush. So it's natural that I take a little break and the break extended for a while where I found myself keeping up with everything. Like I download the current versions. And so my local dev environment is all ready to go for conference app and the pair app. And I've contributed here and there. And I did a little pairing with Chris on one of the things I had. There was one little thing, like a mental bug in the way I approached conference app that we talked about it in Amsterdam that I wanted to fix it. So that was awesome. So we paired together on that and wrote a bunch of tests and that was cool. So I've dabbled in things, but I found that I've been slow to get back into working on Rails tickets. And so what I found myself is drifting further into Ruby, just going back through the basics and fundamentals and reviewing the Ruby code. We've been working together as our Ruby book club. We've been starting to do coding problems, and that's been really fun for me. Caleb, through his launch school, introduced me to this PDAC approach, which I was able to do a lightning talk at, at the Ruby conference, this sort of problem-solving process. And that kind of got me turned on to studying what launch school is all about. And Caleb was talking about sort of really big into the fundamentals and really getting solid in that. And I've been working on advent of code and solving problems there has been fun for me and data structures and algorithms and all that kind of thing. So I'm just having sort of like this time where I'm finding a desire to refresh sort of my fundamentals. And so I've been studying a lot. So I've been spending most of my time studying Ruby and solving problems and, and that kind of thing. And I'm keeping an eye, I'm showing up at our regular sort of weekly meetups and looking at Rails problems and looking at things that other people are doing and contributing and being involved in the community. But I'm finding in terms of personally, I'm investing more time in sort of fundamental type stuff right now, which is good. I talked to Cody Norman, one of our sort of lead agency of learning, and he's awesome. I love Cody and this has so much practical wisdom and advice. And I talked to him about that this morning in our little stand-up group meeting. And he was all totally encouraging, like, do what you got to do, like focus on what you're inspired to do. And that's always sort of been my rule of thumb anyway, is to sort of like run after the things that I'm turned on by at the moment. And right now that's solving problems and getting deeper into Ruby. So kind of been doing that more and I haven't been picking up very many tickets, but he said too, that might be something that'll pull you back in. Like you all of a sudden you'll get inspired or interested in something and that'll pull you back in again. So that's the time to kind of do that. So appreciated his words of wisdom there too. And there you have it. That's what I've been doing. I would say, by the way, that you were probably exactly where I was at when I realized I needed to go back and get better at fundamentals. I think that's kind of like a natural thing where you're like, okay, now I kind of understand Rails and I'm starting to get it. But what I find often for people who learn Rails before quote unquote learning Ruby, like obviously you have to know Ruby to write Rails, but you can learn Ruby while you write Rails. That is very doable. So for those of us who did that, often find you get to a point where you're like, what's stopping me from becoming a better Rails developer is that I'm not a great Ruby developer. And once you kind of take stock of that, and then go back and you get some of those fundamentals. I agree with Cody that like, when I come into a problem, it's not so much, oh, what is the syntax I need? It's more like, what are the pieces I need? I think that's a natural place to let you know that. Thanks for that. I'm kind of curious from each of you, I want to start with James. What is the hardest part about learning Rails in 2023? The hardest part, there's been a lot of good stuff. It's a good thing, but there's been a lot of activity as far as the front end part of it. So hot mm -hmm. wire 
turbo drive. I've learned Rails when it was RJS and jQuery was still pretty active in the Rails ecosystem. And so getting to understand how Hotwire works and trying to learn that has been uh, probably the obstacle right now that I'm facing. I'm loving it because it just keeps me in the Rails mind in context and I don't have to switch up between Vue or React or any of that. So back and forth between that and Rails. So that's been really nice. Just trying to learn why is this piece of the browser showing up or this part of the view showing up? Just learning those things, those gotchas. Yeah, for me, I think similarly, as tech does, everything's changing and evolving. And when certain technologies evolve, then other frameworks are trying to keep up, be able to do the same stuff. And so for me, in this age of like, there's a million different resources, there's a million different places to look to learn about this. There's ChatGPT, there's a million blog posts. It's just figuring out where to focus my time and energy to really get a handle on what I'm trying to learn. Launch School, not to continuously sing praise. It has a great book on Rails on what they call their open bookshelf, which is available to anyone, regardless of like having a subscription to the school. So that's been a good place when I have a question just to look there for some good, solid information. A lot of the agency of learning folks who I've met had really great things to say about the Odin Project. Similarly, as a great resource, I spent a little bit of time with that, and that's been super helpful so far as well. I know for me, when I first got into all of this, into coding and Ruby in general, very quickly knew I wanted to learn from some sort of curriculum, something codified. Because if I didn't, I know that I would just continuously learn a little bit from a lot of different places and ultimately likely kind of spin my wheels. So just trying to have a plan in this day and age of learning in a concrete way that's going to get me where I'd like to be has been the challenge. But I got some excellent resources at my disposal. Eric? I think that it's a deep product. There's a lot to it. We've been talking about doing little projects and starting from scratch. It's pretty easy to make a basic MVC, a little world, and maybe maybe a couple associations and a few migrations. It's pretty simple to make a fairly standard basic product. But the bigger products, like we were talking about the CASA code base, is pretty intricate, right? And there's all these little pieces and decorators and internationalization. And then if you try just to even the idea of depth, right? Getting into scopes and so much like the framework is so beautiful. Like it's such an incredible bit of coding magic, really. There's so much to it that I think that it can be a little overwhelming in terms of how much time do I spend on each one of the parts of it? It's always interesting for me is this idea of what's the best approach to learning something so big as that. Do you do like a top level with a little bit of everything and a little bit of controllers and a little bit of models and a little bit of views, and then you keep increasing your depth or how deep should you go in anything? It's not so easy to figure out what's the best learning strategy. So you kind of flail around and do the best you can. And I assume that in some ways you get hired and then you like just work on whatever you're supposed to work on to do your job. So then that just becomes what you end up <laughs> investing your time in. But sort of like before that, it's not quite so easy as to figure out what to focus on and how deep to go in any particular thing. The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime shouldn't be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. 
A monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy to use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. Best of all, Honey Badger is free for small teams and setup takes as little as five minutes. Get started today at honeybadger.io. That's www.honeybadger.io. Andrew has asked this question a couple of times, I believe, about whether you should learn Rails now as a programming language to get a job. And since the three of you have done that, I'm curious, would you have changed your journey and would you recommend Rails to other people? For me, at least with a lot of the time that I've spent with Groovy in general, I've really enjoyed it. Just simply, I really enjoy writing and dealing with, with Ruby. And so if that's kind of been my way into this world and I have good associations with it, you know, it's not something I think of like, oh, no, Ruby's the worst. Nothing but positive associations for me. So in that regard, it's gotten me hooked. I enjoy my studies. I enjoy doing all this work. So to that end, I think that's enough to say, yeah, why not? From there, I think it's really helped me as I dabble with other languages now as well. I can see how they accomplish similar things in different ways. And a lot of that has come from my fundamentals with Ruby. And I think it's been extremely worthwhile and productive. I recommend the same to others. As far as myself, I still believe that I would still learn Rails because I just enjoyed it. And through learning Rails, I've learned a lot of just the fundamentals of programming. And it was easier in my experience to go through a language using Ruby and then the case of MVC, learning it through Ruby on Rails. With the job market the way it is, I have mixed feelings about it because if you want to get a job, you may have to go where the most openings are and learn it because I enjoy it. brings me happiness that I'll still would encourage people to learn Ruby on Rails in 2024. Yeah, I'd say the same thing as James in terms of I like the language, I like the framework a lot. Fortunately, I was exposed to both JavaScript and Python before Ruby, even though I dabbled in Ruby a little bit a long time ago. But learning it well, Ruby's a pretty cool language. And the fact that the whole Rails framework is written in Ruby and the community is amazing. I've gone so much further in the software engineering career community-wise. Learning in community, having friends in this community thinking about it the other day, I was like, yeah, I can learn other technologies, but like this is where all my friends are, you know, (laughs) like all my friends are in the Rails community. And so I think that's a huge thing. I think that's programmer happiness for the language and community of cool people and nice people to hang out with. I think those are like giant things in terms of your career in software, as far as where you want to spend your time. So I like JavaScript fine, and I'll keep getting better at it as well. And other things, if I can live my whole career in the Ruby community doing Rails and like contributing to this is a community I want to contribute to. These are the talks I want to give. These are the people I want to see at conferences. Like this is where I, my family is in the software world. So if I could live the rest of my career in the Rails space, I'd be happy to do so. I was going to say that everyone kind of had a really good point is that Ruby brought them into programming. I remember, I think I was in high school at the time. I was learning C++ and I did it for a while and I was like, okay, this is fun. And then it got harder or maybe I just wasn't really motivated to continue. And so I dropped out. And then years and years later, I discovered Ruby and I feel like the language kept me in this community. Like I learned Ruby and I stayed here and now I became a software engineer. And I feel like I would totally recommend Ruby as your first language. 
just because everyone here, they love this language and it makes them happy to code in it. Once you get the fundamentals and the concepts down, you can always learn something else if you need to for a job, whatever the case is. I just wanted to put that out there that if I did not get a chance to learn Ruby, I don't necessarily think I would become a software engineer. Yeah, that's an interesting point. My little brother right now is coming close to the end of college and he wants to get a job in tech and he's like, what's the best language to learn this or that? Like, maybe I want to do this. And so I'm in like that unique position where I'm actually like having to think about, should I tell my little brother, yes, this is what you should do. And I'm not even completely sure about that. But one thing I am sure about is that Ruby shouldn't be your first programming language because that's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) I joking, but I learned Java very early on and I did not understand object-oriented programming until I learned Ruby. And then once I learned Ruby, I realized, oh my God, like all the stuff I learned in Java and Visual Basic and these other languages, like there's an easier way. I was angry when I learned Ruby. I was really upset because I was like the whole time I could have been writing code like this, like all those projects that I had to do that it didn't matter what language I wrote. I could have written this so much faster than (laughs) Java, for instance. I think we're about time here. Is there anything that any of y'all want to say before we kind of get where people can find y'all online? Yeah, I'll just say one thing that I want to credit Julie for is that I heard her talk about early on in the podcast that this idea of learning in community was big for her and powerful for her. And it caught my attention. And I think like it's one of those big things for me. First Ruby Friends has been amazing. I still have the same mentor from a year ago now. Like we're just rocking it twice a month. And that's been huge. And when she wanted to form the book club, I was in because it's like, here's an opportunity to learn a community. And AOL was another community to learn in. And then there's all these other ones too. So that really helped me a lot. And I would encourage anybody sort of new to the coding community to lean in that direction, to lean in learning and community. Because it's been a powerful part of my experience and I highly recommend it. Yeah, I want to second what Eric just said. If you're struggling, reach out to somebody. There's a lot of great people and they're very nice. (laughs) They won't run you off. I hope that somebody can find me as one of those people as well. I'm willing to help wherever I can, whatever little bit I know, I don't mind sharing it. Yeah, so the community is huge here. I jumped in. I'm a little shy. I've been able to meet some great people and get some help and I've learned a lot. I do have a question that I thought of while you were saying that. This is a statement that I've heard at all levels. My CTO even said this. So that's the range of like this feedback. I don't know where the Ruby community is. I don't know how to join it. I keep hearing it's awesome, but how do I get involved? Where is it? So what would you say to people who are like, you guys keep talking about the Ruby community, but how do I join? Where is the Ruby community? Where can I connect with people like this? Where where do y'all like to do that? The ways that I've gotten in contact is either through Twitter and I'll sometimes even DM people and just ask them questions. And then somebody will mention something about a Discord channel that's Ruby centric or Rails centric and I'll join it. Like I just popped into the Odin project. There was a lot of talk on it. I just popped in and I just started talking to people. I even just jumped in on one video chat and (laughs) I met a couple of people just talking to them. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm just, I'm curious. And then at conference, I went to a small conference. I was able to meet Eric there and met Andrew and said hi to him, made myself vulnerable and went up and said hi. What about you, Caleb? What are your thoughts on that? In my experience as a student, it's been 
not necessarily easy to fall into situations where I'm working with other people, but most people, if you're like, hey, do you want to study together, do a coding problem together or something like that? You know, we're all in this together, learning in a lot of these communities. And most people are down to either help or get a little help or both, something like that. And then most of the time when I work with or study with someone, I mentioned that's how I met Julie originally, trying to figure out code in place back in the day. It's like, oh, this is fun and rewarding. We should keep in touch. And here we are, however many years later. It's been a while since then. I feel like I have so many great relationships, really similar to what James is saying, just reaching out to someone, asking if they'd be interested in bouncing some ideas off each other, at least in an educational context. And I made a ton of great friends just trying to share information, just trying to all learn together. This idea of learning in public, just reaching out goes such a long way. I think I started really with podcasts was kind of the first easy way to do it because you're not actually meeting anybody for real, but you're hearing real people talk. And so you start to get to know the names and how they talk about things and how they think about things. And so I started with listening to podcasts and they all kind of pointed to each other. And then Twitter started following the people that I was listening to on the podcast and then listening to what they had to say and liking and commenting and whatever. I met Julie through a direct message, reached out via Twitter because something she said on the podcast I thought was cool and I wanted to say that. And then the conference, the first one I went to in LA, Andrew's Culver's conference in LA and Brittany there for the first time and met you and Andrew and Jason, uh, James there. And yeah, so between podcast listening and then Twitter talking and conferences is kind of, I think how I kind of got into the whole fray. And then from there, little by little met other people who knew people and it keeps going. Before I forget, Eric, I need you to tell people what generation I'm from, please. Is it Gen X? Is Gen X the right one? Oh, okay. Oh, millennial, 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 millennial. Sorry, Andrew. I just, I wanted to support you, but I couldn't remember which one it was you leaned on. Millennial. It's a recurring issue with me when I go to public conferences where people (laughs) think I'm Gen Z and I'm not. (laughs) Julie, anything else before we wrap this up? I was just going to say, I was going to plug in two Discord groups that are good to enter into the Ruby community as well, the Ruby Learning Center and the GoRails Discord. The last thing, let's have everybody share how we can find them. And there's something that I want to bring up that I brought up in the very beginning of the show, but I forgot to define what it was that I brought up. Okay. So I don't want to forget that. Eric, where can people find you online? Twitter and LinkedIn. I spend most of my time on Twitter. It seems like it moves around a little bit. But I've got a solid presence on LinkedIn and try to spend most of my time bouncing between the two. Caleb? Never used Twitter, which I go back and forth between wondering if that's going to be my downfall trying to get into this field. But definitely LinkedIn. You can find me on there. Or if you want to look at my NeoVim configuration on my GitHub, LinkedIn's probably my best bet as a home base. And James? Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. And I do have a profile on LinkedIn, but Mostly I'm on Twitter. All right. Julie. I brought up this earlier in the show and I explained that there's this race condition at work that's driving me nuts. And I didn't explain what a race condition is for folks who may not know. And I was actually wondering, Andrew, if you have a good explanation for what a race condition is. Here's an example. We have to update this database value with a webhook. But let's say that that record gets updated in the meantime. We have like two competing conditions that are racing to maybe update a record, maybe to execute something, but one of them is happening before the other and that's not supposed to happen or they are colliding. One's not happening at all, maybe. 
both of them are racing for the same destination and you do not want that. And how might you solve for that? The problem with debugging race conditions is it can be very hard to replicate them, especially when they're happening in background jobs and when at a certain volume it might exist, but at a lower threshold it might not. So I think the first thing is to try to isolate it. Like, where is this happening? Do we know under what conditions this is happening? And then you have to move code around usually. Maybe you can do something in the background. Maybe you need to re-architect your code so that the ordering is a little more clear. Maybe you need to use some locks or transactions. Locking is probably the thing I would look at first with a race condition. You want to lock the record so that something else doesn't like ninja update it in the meantime before your code finishes it. Or maybe you need to do something asynchronously so it's done in a separate thread, but isolating the problem first and then seeing if you can lock the records, if locking the records will stop this from happening or doing a transaction. Thanks. Yep. All right. That is that for us. Thank you all for joining us. We had a blast. There are links where you can find them will be in the show notes. Agency of Learning show notes. We will catch you all next week. Bye. Bye, everyone.